of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory
fill the atmosphere your glory god is what arts long for to be overcome by your presence lord holy spirit you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence,
Isn't it wonderful to bless the name of the Lord this morning? Isn't it wonderful to praise his name? So just this past week during Thanksgiving, I went out to a hunting lease with my dad and it was out by Tulia near Silverton. And we were pretty much our whole time in the same hunting blind. And this hunting blind was at the edge of the cap rock and it was beautiful looking out. And there was this thousands of trees some were still green, some were changing color because of the season. They were brown and orange and yellow and looked out, there was animals. We saw some pretty cool deer. And every single morning we woke up before the sun even rose, which I was kind of grumbling about that. I'm not gonna lie some mornings, but it was a beautiful sunrise. And even the sunset too, whenever we were out there, it was also just marvelous. The colors, there was so many reasons, I would say thousands of reasons to just look towards the Lord and say thank you, the beautiful, marvelous things that he's done. And in the same way, we just sing that song, 10,000 Reasons, and there's so many reasons, countless reasons, reasons we can't even think of that don't come to our minds often to bless his name, to give him thanks, to be filled with gratitude because of who he is and what he's done. Have a psalm that I would like to read this morning. This is Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. God, we lift your name on high. God, that all together, you are beautiful, you are lovely. God, you are worthy to be praised for so many reasons, God, infinite reasons, because you are infinitely full 
of all things perfect, of all things lovely, of all things true, Father. Lord, that we praise you for just who you are, God, your character. God, that you were mindful of us, that you love us so much. God, that you loved us so, so much that you would send your son, Jesus, to die in our place. God, that we'd have new life in and through you, that would be made a new creation through you, God. So we lift your name up on high. God, we praise you this morning. God, we'll boast in you and you alone as we humble ourselves before you. God, prepare our hearts as we just seek to worship you during this time. God, as we want to listen. God, we know that you are always speaking. God, so just have us hearts that are ready to hear from you, that are ready to connect with you. God, I'm just ready to receive your life. God, that you are wanting to breathe life into these weary dry bones, God. So God, we love you and we praise you. Just let your spirit come and be with us now. It's in Christ's name we pray all of these things. Amen. Good to see all of you here this morning. And hopefully today you didn't come with the uh, Thanksgiving hangover, uh, which is that hangover you get after lots of food, lots of turkey, lots of family, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully you are ready this morning to uh, dig into God's word and let's see what he has to say to us today. You know, I love Thanksgiving time and I love Christmas time. It's hard to believe uh, that we're already at that season uh, this year. I remember back in, in January and all the crazy stuff that was going on, it seemed like this is going to be a long year. And now we look back and this year has just flown by, but we're quickly moving into the Christmas season. And I, I love the Christmas holiday. It's my favorite time of year. And you see all the decorations going up around town and uh, begin to think about the time we're going to spend with family. And, and just the entire Christmas season uh, brings joy to my heart. And I love it. And I hope that you do too. So that's where we're going to begin today. We're going to look at a story that kind of begins the Christmas season for us, kind of kicks off that Christmas season uh, over the next several weeks. We're going to be looking at different Christmas stories as uh, we prepare our hearts for this time. You know, on uh, Thursday, we went to my daughter's house in Wichita Falls and had Thanksgiving there. And Friday, we were driving back and it was uh, later in the afternoon on Friday. And we get in the car and I pull up onto 287 and start heading back towards Amarillo, a, a road that I've traveled many, many times over the years. And it didn't take very long at all till everybody in the car, except for me, was asleep, which is kind of normal. But I start driving down the road and I started thinking about how many times I've driven down this road in the past. And I, I remember as a kid being in the back seat, and I was not driving in the back seat, I was riding then as we'd be going to Dallas or going somewhere down that road. And then as I got old enough to drive, I cannot tell you how many times I've driven down that road. So many times that I am convinced I could get my car headed in the direction I wanted to go and I wouldn't have to do a thing. It could find its way back home. Um, I didn't try that, but one of these days I might, just to see what happens. Uh, but as I was thinking about that, I was wondering, since I'm so familiar with this road, how many things have I missed over the years that I haven't taken the time to look at or, or to notice as I've been driving, because I'm just familiar with all of it. So I decided this time I'm going to take some time on my way home and look around to see what is on the road that I've missed. I wasn't going to slow down any, don't get me wrong, 
you get home as quick as you can when you're coming that way. Uh, but I thought, I, I want to see some of these sites that I've missed over the years. Well, it didn't take me very long to get distracted and do other things because there's absolutely nothing to see on that road. I mean, you can see forever, right? You can see the next town 80 miles away. So, so I don't think I've missed anything uh, over the years. But then I began thinking about how many times in my life we get on the road to go somewhere, something that we're familiar with, and we don't pay attention, and we get from point A to point B, and then we start thinking, how did I get here? Did I go through those towns? Uh, some of you have been there, and you think, how did I miss that? And we're just so familiar with the things that are around us that sometimes we just drive right on by and we miss some important things to see along the way. And I believe sometimes it's that way when it comes to the Christmas story. Because we're all very familiar with the Christmas story, right? We've been taught the Christmas story since we were young. And I think sometimes in our lives we're just so busy flying down the road of life that we miss some of the important things that God wants us to see in the Christmas story. And so this year at Christmas time, uh, my prayer is that we would just take some time, we would slow down, and let's look at the entire Christmas story, maybe to see something new that God wants us to see that we have missed in the past, or maybe even just to be reminded of some things that we have seen in the past about the Christmas story so that we can remember what Christmas is really all about. You know, on some roads, they, they have little markers out there called historical markers. Uh, I did a funeral for a lady a couple weeks ago, and she loved to stop and look at all the historical markers along the roadside. Well, I remember as a kid, I was going somewhere with my grandparents, and for some reason on this trip, they decided that they wanted to stop and look at several of the historical markers along the way. And they would stop and they would read the sign. And I was not interested at all in any of these historical markers. And I'm still not today, by the way. Um, if you see me stopped at a historical marker, you might want to stop to see if I need some help. Because I promise you, I'm not reading the sign. There's another problem uh, that's going on. But I think about all the things that I've missed in life because I haven't taken time to stop and look at the historical markers to know some of the things that went on in that area. Well, today as we begin our journey into this year's Christmas season, I want us to take a look back at one of Christmas's historical markers that's found in the book of Isaiah. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9 this morning, so if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles there. Isaiah chapter 9, we're just going to look at the first seven verses uh, in this passage. You know, many years ago when man landed on the moon, the president at the time said, the greatest event in human history is the day that man planted his feet on the moon. Well, no disrespect to the president at that time. But that is not the greatest event in all of history. The greatest event in all of history is when God stepped his feet on the earth. That's an amen point right there. That is the greatest event of all times. And if we look at it as the greatest event of all times, we recognize how powerful that event is. How can we just fly by and not take time to see what God wants us to see? 
in this crazy world that we live in, when things uh, seem like they're getting crazier every day, let's take some time and reflect on who God is and what God has done. Jesus Christ coming to earth, the greatest event of all times. And this event was foretold in Isaiah chapter 9, 700 years before the birth of Christ ever took place. Look with me if you would, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Nephtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. In this passage this morning, we're reminded of the great hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And he talks about this great hope as a light. And this light that I want us to see today is the light of glorious hope. Glorious hope that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now for us to really understand this passage this morning and to dig into it a little bit, we need to understand what is happening up until this point. So if you were to go back into chapter 7 of Isaiah and read chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9, you would see that it is a continuous story. It is a flow from the same story. And during this time that Isaiah writes this prophecy, it was a time of darkness in Judah. King Ahaz was on the throne of Judah. And he was being attacked by the king of Syria, Syria and the king of Israel. And King Ahaz was very worried and very fearful of what was going to take place because this attack was very real. And this attack was taking out many of his warriors. So he was fearful of what was to come. He was worried that they were going to overtake him, that they were going to overtake Jerusalem. And maybe they were going to even kill out the line of David, that very important line. And in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 2, the scripture says, So the hearts of the king and his people trembled with fears, with fear like trees shaking in the storm. Now that gives us a pretty strong picture of the kind of fear that they had in their life. That they were so fearful in their life that 
Their hearts were shaking like trees that are being shaken in a violent storm. They had that kind of fear and they were not knowing what was going to happen that day or the day after or the day after. Would they survive? Would they be taken captive? What is going to end during this time? And in Isaiah chapter 7, God sends Isaiah to King Ahaz. And he tells him, this is what the Lord is saying. Don't worry about your enemies that are coming against you. God is going to take care of those enemies. Now you think that would be great news for King Ahaz, right? He's thinking, okay, I don't have to worry because God is in control. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear because I know that God has got this. And God is sending a messenger to me to say that everything is going to be okay. But King Ahaz was having a hard time at this point trusting God. He was having a hard time trusting what Isaiah was telling him that the Lord was saying. He was having a hard time trusting because he was seeing the effects of this attack against him every day. He was seeing what was going on around him every day. And there was no hope in his life at that point. And he was having a hard time trusting the Lord. I wonder today if we were all to be completely honest. If we would say, you know, there's been a time in my life that Things weren't going the way that I thought they should. There was a time in my life that I didn't see any hope. I didn't know how tomorrow was going to turn out. And I had a hard time during that season of my life trusting the Lord. I know that I have. I've had seasons in my life where, you know, you have everything right in front of you. And it seems so dark. And it seems like there is no hope. And at times we question, God, where are you? God, are you out there? God, what are you doing? And I don't know that that was where King Ahaz was in his life, where he was asking where God was, but God sent a message to him, a message of hope, a message of deliverance, and yet he was standing back saying, I don't know that I can believe that. I don't know that I can trust that. Now, he didn't come out and say those words, but his actions showed it. And so Isaiah, looking at him, said, if you don't believe this, test the Lord. Ask him to give you some kind of proof. And, and Ahaz says, I'm not going to test the Lord in that way. And Isaiah says, well, he's going to give you a sign anyway. And that sign, you can go back and read it. And that sign was a child. And, and that child was, uh, shows up in, in chapter 8. But Ahaz and the people of Judah were having a hard time trusting God. And you would think at this point in their life that, that they would be able to trust the promises of God. But before we get too hard on King Ahaz and the people of Judah, I wonder how many times we haven't trusted God when we should have because we know better. Do we believe that God is true to His Word? Do we believe that God is faithful to see us through with the promises that He gives us? We say yes, but how many times do we doubt? How many times do we allow fear to come in? How many times do we sit back and say, I believe that. I believe God is able. I believe God is capable. But I'm just not sure that I can trust him right now. Some of you may say, you know, that's where I'm at in my life right now. There's things going on in my life that, man, it's dark. I can't see tomorrow. I don't see where the hope is. 
And you come to church and, and you think, God, show me the hope. And you hear a preacher telling you, just trust God. And you know that that is true, but sometimes that's a whole lot easier said than done, right? But trust God. We can trust Him. And that's what Isaiah was trying to get into King Ahaz. But they didn't trust. And they continued on in their own way. Instead of uh, trusting God, they continued to reject God's care for them. And instead of seeking God's direction, they were seeking guidance from mediums and superstition. And even making sacrifices to other gods. And because of that, it was a time of moral darkness and hopelessness because they're now living under the judgment of God because they're refusing to follow God. And as Isaiah is giving the people the warning of judgment that will come against them because of their disobedience to God, something happens. And suddenly, the prophet Isaiah sees the future. So if you were reading through Isaiah chapter 8, you would see that Isaiah is going down this list. I mean, he's just nailing it out. Because you're disobedient to God, here's what you're going to experience. Here's why you're going through some of the things that you're going through. Because of the darkness, because of the sin in your life, here's some things that you are facing, which were all true. But then it's like all of a sudden, something changes. Something is different. And I love the way chapter 9 verse 1 starts out. Look back at that verse with me if you would. He says, nevertheless. That's a very important word there because he's going through this list. You're not following God. You're not obeying God. You've turned against God. You're living in darkness. And because of this, here's everything that's happening and what's going to happen. And then he just stops and he says, nevertheless. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Those are some very powerful words that he says, all these things are going on, but, but there's hope that's coming. This time of darkness, this time of despair is not going to go on forever in the land. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Because of your disobedience to God, because of sin in your life, you're living in despair and darkness. But nevertheless, this is not going to go on forever because hope is on his way. And that hope is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is that light that is going to shine in the darkness. And listen, I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know what's going to come later in your life. But know this, that even in the darkest days of our life, there is a light that is shining bright, and his name is Jesus. And you can trust him. You can trust him. And you can know that he is in control. You can know that he has good plans for you. You can know that he will see you through no matter what it is that you are going through. And in this passage, Isaiah is giving the picture of hope that comes through the light of Jesus Christ, the glorious light of hope. Now, there are three things that I want to point out as we break down this passage just a little bit that I want us to see about the light of great hope. And the first thing is this, is that he is a light of great joy. Look at verse 3. 
He says, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Notice in that passage, he talks about rejoicing three different times. Three different times he mentions the word to rejoice. And to rejoice means to feel or show great joy. And we need to understand this today. We need to be reminded of this as we go through this Christmas season. That to know God through Jesus Christ is to know joy. That's a good spot for an amen right there. To know Jesus or to know God through his son, Jesus Christ is to know great joy. Jesus says in Scripture that these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Your joy may be full. You will have joy that is unspeakable, joy that is undescribable. A joy that is hard to explain that those that have never received the joy that comes through knowing God. And in Psalm 1611, the Bible tells us that it is in His presence where we find fullness of joy. That's the complete joy. Joy that is full and overflowing in our lives. I wonder today, do you have that kind of joy? Do you have that joy even in your Christian walk? say, man, I've been a Christian for a long time and I don't completely understand that kind of joy. I don't experience that kind of joy that you're talking about. Are you focused on Christ? Are you focused on the things of this world? Because it's when we're close to God, when we're focused on Him, that's when we understand this joy. And that is why at Christmas time we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. In Jesus Christ, there is true joy. There is fullness of joy. A joy that is not determined by our circumstances or our feelings, but a joy of knowing that I have a Father in heaven who loves me and loves me so much that he came to this earth to live a sinless life, to die my place on a cross where all of my sins were nailed so that I could be restored in my relationship with him. And that is where that joy comes from, knowing how much the Father loves me and cares for me, no matter what I face in this world, no matter what I face in this life. Oh, if King Ahaz would have only figured it out during that day, I promise you things would have been better for him. And if we can remember that in our lives, things will be better for us too, because we're going to face difficult times in this world. We're going to face times that don't make sense, times that we don't understand, but we can still have joy even through those times because the joy that we have is not a joy that this world gives us, but it is a joy that comes from God, which makes it a supernatural joy. I know you're like I am, that you've seen people go through very dark days in their life, very difficult times. And you sit back and you're just amazed because you see the joy of the Lord that still comes through. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't always remove the circumstance. But there's hope because of that joy that comes through knowing Him and trusting Him, knowing that this darkness is not going to last forever. That there is hope. Hope in the Lord. There's joy, the light of joy, 
That is what really separates Christianity from any other religion that's out there. The joy that comes through knowing the Lord. Christianity is not a dull religion. Christianity is a life of joy, a never-ending joy. And that joy that we have in the Lord should be noticeable to others that are around us. But sometimes we get caught up in the darkness. Sometimes we get caught up in the problems. Sometimes we get caught up in the things of life. And we kind of suppress that joy. When God wants that joy just to overflow through us. I wonder, do you know this kind of joy today? Jesus came to give the light of joy. And it is a true joy, a supernatural joy that is only found in Him. The second thing that we see is that he is the light of freedom and peace. Look back with me, if you would, at verse 4. He says, For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The Israelites had an unbearable weight of oppression and humiliation because of their disobedience to God. Now we need to remember today that everyone is a slave to something in a spiritual sense. We are either slaves to sin, which is the natural thing for us to do because of the sin that came into the world through Adam and Eve. Now we're all born into this life of sin and we have this sinful nature that is the the natural state. Or we are slaves to Christ. In John 8, 34, Jesus said, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Slaves have no will of their own. They are literally in bondage to their masters. And so when Jesus says that everyone who commits sin is a slave, he's saying that you are in bondage to sin. That bondage is a heavy weight that is placed upon your shoulders. It is a heavy weight that we carry around as we are in bondage to that master. When sin is our master, we're unable to resist it. But Christ came to set the captives free. In Romans 6 verses 5 through 7, says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. This is very important. We don't need to miss this today or as we go through this Christmas time. It is in Christ that we have been set free. That Christ came to this world, he lived that sinless life, he went to the cross, and when he died on the cross, he nailed our sins to the cross with him. And we are set free from the bondage of sin when we surrender our lives to him. In him, there is freedom because there is forgiveness of those sins. Apart from him, there is no forgiveness of sins, and we continue to live in bondage. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 1.9 that if we confess our sins, He is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. And those sins are then removed from us as far as the east is from the west. 
So that is a picture of Christ taking that bondage of sin, that burden of sin, that weight of sin that we carry around and completely removes it from us because it was nailed to the cross over 2,000 years ago. But sometimes in our Christian lives, we have a problem with that. We, we believe that Christ forgives us of our, of our sins and we know that he has, but sometimes we have a problem with that sin ourselves and we cannot forgive ourselves knowing that Christ has already forgiven us. And we hang on to that bondage. We keep that weight upon our shoulders. When Christ is saying, that's been removed. You are now living in freedom. He has removed it once and for all. I've said this before, I'll continue to say it again, that when Christ died on the cross, he didn't just take some of our sins to the cross, he took all of our sins to the cross. That's pre past, present, and future sins. Listen, sometimes we sin, if you're like me, you sin, you go, where did that come from? That surprised me, but guess what? It didn't surprise him, because he already knew it, and it's already been nailed to the cross. And if we will confess those sins, he is faithful, he is just. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He removes that weight. He removes that guilt. And through that, we have freedom in Christ. And through that freedom comes peace. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone in, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Through Christ and his death on the cross and him removing that sins, we now have peace with God. We have peace in that relationship. Knowing that with God the Father, I stand clean because Christ has removed all that dirty stuff from my life. And in him there is freedom and in him there is peace. The third thing that we see is that he is also the light of leadership. Look back at verses 6 and 7. He says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. The government will rest upon his shoulders. You know, if you were to take a poll today, which they do on a regular basis, to see how much we trust our government officials, you will find out that very few people trust our government officials. And rightfully so. Uh, they have said things that they were going to do and then they don't do it. They make promises that they say they're going to keep and then they, they don't keep it. And because of that, we lose trust in the leaders that are in our lives. But there is a leader that we can place all of our confidence in, all of our trust in, all of our hope in. And again, his name is Jesus. You know, all of us need a, a leader in our life. Some will say, I don't, I don't need a leader in my life. But the reality is, we need a leader in our life. Those that say that they don't need a leader in their life or those that say, you know, I've got life all figured out. I, I know all that I need to know in life and I can handle life all on my own. And that is nothing but a lie. 
Because really, there's none of us here that have all this stuff figured out. How many of you think you got life all figured out? Anybody? How many of you realize that I don't have life all figured out? And we need a leader. A leader that we can trust. We say, oh, I can't wait for that day when, when there is leadership that we can trust, leadership that we can know that what they say they're going to do, they do, that we know that they have our best interest in mind. Well, that leader has come, and that leader is Jesus Christ, who didn't have his best interest in mind, but had our best interest in mind when he left his throne in heaven and came to this earth for you and for me. That is the good news of Christmas. That is the reminder of what Christmas is all about. And through Jesus Christ, we have a leader. That if we will just trust him, if we will just follow him, he is a leader that will truly make a difference in our life. And he goes on here to talk about this leader and and who he is. And we see through this scripture that first of all, he is a leader that leads with wisdom because he is our wonderful counselor. He leads with strength because he is the mighty God. He leads with love because he is the everlasting father. He leads with peace because he is the prince of peace. He leads with justice and he leads forever because his kingdom will never end. He is our great leader. And all we have to do is trust him. All we have to do is say, I place my faith and trust in you. And God, I need you to lead me in my life. I I trust. I don't understand. I don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. But God, I trust you. I trust you to know that through you, there's hope. There's a glorious light of hope. I trust you because I know that in you there is life. Abundant life. Life beyond belief. So I wonder today, as we think about this Christmas season and and all that is really involved in what Christmas is all about, do you know the real Jesus of Christmas? Do you really understand the, the full Christmas story? Do you have the joy that comes through knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been set free because the the bondage of sin has been removed from you through the death of Christ on the cross and receiving Him as our Lord and Savior? I wonder today, are you trusting in His leadership in every area of your life? Again, I think this for a lot of times as Christians, we say, I I just don't have that joy right now. It's probably because you need to release control of that area of your life to God and let him be your leader for a while. And you will know the joy that comes through him. I know we have all driven down this Christmas season road many times. But again, I challenge us. Slow down. Slow down. And just say, God, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to know? What do you need to remind me of about this Christmas season and it starts today saying God what do you want me to see from your word today God what do you want me to know what are you trying to say to me today because I believe God has a message for each one of us no matter where we're at in our life no matter what season we're in he has a message and that message is the hope 
is a, is a message of hope and joy and freedom in him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your word that, that challenges our hearts. God, a word that sometimes makes us to slow down and to really think about what it is that you want us to see. God, as we enter into this Christmas season over the next several weeks, God, I pray that you would just remind us of what Christmas is all about. Remind us of the hope that we have through Christ, your one and only Son, that you sent to this world to take our place on that cross because of your wonderful love for us. God, help us to see. Help us not forget. God, remind us of maybe things that we have put aside because we've just gone through this so fast so many times. God, remind us of who you are. God, I pray today for each one of us here. God, we're all going through different seasons in our life. and God, I know that there's someone here today who has never surrendered their life to you. And God, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would just speak to them, draw them to you. And that today would be the day that they would say, yes, I'm going to follow you. God, there are people that are hurting and struggling for different reasons. God, I pray that they would experience your joy. They would know your joy. They would know your hope. And God, know that this darkness is not going to last forever. God, I thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your presence that's here with us. Thank you for guiding us and leading us. And God, I pray that you would just use this word to speak to our hearts. And God, help us to be obedient in your leading in our life in whatever way that may be. In Christ's name I pray, amen.